Hi, everyone. Here's Trevor. <gasps> Hello, what's up, Glad Day TV? I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is a very special episode of my podcast, You Made Me Queer. We are just about to start our special live episode. Uh, you may know that we always start the episodes off with the theme song, the pre-recorded theme song, written and performed by singer, musician, and producer, Critty. But... Today, we are being joined live via Zoom uh, by Critty, who, by the way, fun fact, once had a job singing 1234 by Gloria Estefan in the Miami Sound Machine at a Cottage Country Resort review show. You thought I wouldn't bring that up. So please put your digital hands together for the one, the only, Critty. <laughs> can't say she doesn't know how to milk an ending. <laughs> Critty, what uh, weather system are you zooming in from? What's, what you got on? Oh, you know, sometimes I get a little hot flash. Sometimes I get a little uh, chill. So, you know, like to be prepared. Be ready for all seasons. Ready for all seasons. I'm actually on uh, Mars with Elon and Jeff B. Oh, no. Let's breeze Just right kidding. past that. Just kidding. Uh, Eat so, Critty. Rich. Eat the rich. I'm Eat the rich. Uh, Critty, you unfortunately are not our guest today, so I cannot give you too much camera time. It's fine. I am over it, and you have a fabulous guest, so I don't mind. I do, waiting in the Zoom wings. But before we say goodbye to you, and first of all, can we get some little uh, reaction emoji for that theme song? <laughs> am I right or am I right? I know, listen, Glad Day employees. I emoji applause. I, know. I live for it. Deep I see a little heart appearing. Thank you. Uh, great. So, Critty, before we say goodbye, anything you want to plug? For sure. You can check out my band, Lavender Bruisers. Uh, you can check it out on streaming services, but it would be super extra sweet if you checked it out on Bandcamp. So, lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. You heard it here first and second, lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Critty, thank you so much. Thank you, Trevor, and thanks for being queer. <laughs> Listen, couldn't stop if I tried. <laughs> okay, so hi again. I am Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the podcast where, like a good Care Bear, queer people join hands and stare you straight down into a shame spiral. That's right. Every episode, I invite an LGBTQIA plus guest on to point the finger of blame, or two in this case, at who and or what made them queer. And today's no exception. That is what we are going to do. But first, hey, happy Pride. Are you watching this from a patio? Are you on the Glad Day patio, perhaps? Are you on a different patio? Are you inside? All of these are fine choices. Uh, I guess you can't answer me. Because podcasting is a one-way medium. 
And uh, it's something I have to live with. I'm coming at you live, as I said, from Glad Day Bookshop, located in the heart of Toronto's Queer Village. And it is weird because there are people outside in a place that is not their home, and they're socializing with other people. And I don't know about you, but the sort of psychic trauma of this is not lost on me. And uh, I'm hanging on by a tiny little thread, so bear with me if things go fully off the rails. Um, Also, you may not know this about Glad Day Bookshop, but it is the oldest operating queer bookstore in the world. If you have not been here, you should come here when it's safe to do so. Of course, you can also support them online. They sell many books, like the books pictured behind me. I will tell you more about this later on in the episode. So, as I said, this is my first live episode, and I've done special little air quotes, which you can't see if you're listening to this in a podcast, uh, because we are doing this live. I am the only person on the podcast in this space. We are connecting through Zoom. Critty was on Zoom. My special guest today will be joining us from an as-yet-announced Sunkist location. I will give you that clue. It is Sunkist and sort of like hard-boiled detective fiction noir lit. You will see what all of this is soon because, of course, we are live on Glad Day TV. Also... This is the second last show of season one of my podcast, You Made Me Queer, a.k.a. episode 19. So we will be wrapping up our first season next week with a very special surprise guest and then coming back at the end of the summer with a whole new season on a network. Yes, that's right. She's a network girl now or will be starting in August. But none of this matters yet because none of this is about our guest today. So... My guest today, who will not be revealed yet, but I will give a short intro for, and then we'll pop onto camera. My guest today is Hannah Shafi. Do you know Hannah? You should. Hannah, Hannah, I've already said both versions. Uh, Hannah, Hannah will tell us which one it is. That's one of the cliffhangers, how you pronounce her name in mere moments. Hannah is a writer and illustrator whose work explores themes such as feminism, body politics, racism, and pop culture. Her first book, It Begins With The Body, oh my god, I'm holding it right now, was listed by CBC as one of the best poetry books of 2018. And her second book is called Small, Broke, and Kind of Dirty, which apparently is so popular that it is nowhere in stock. So if you can find a copy, I encourage you to buy it as soon as possible. She's also very well known for her weekly affirmation series, but I would say probably most known as guest of episode 19 of the podcast, You Made Me Queer. So without further ado, please put your hands together for today's guest, the one, the only, Hannah Shaffy. Hi. Hi. Oh my gosh. So How's I promise. How's it going? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Tell us everywhere you are, everything about you, and every pronunciation for your name. I'm in a very special room. It is like a detective noir. I'm feeling very like forlorn. Not really. I'm actually just in St. Thomas visiting my partner's parents. Um, so not as glamorous a location, but this is a great window. It's much nicer than the one in my own apartment, so I'm very happy about that. And my the correct pr- pronunciation is Hana. So you were close. Hana with sort of a soft A. Exactly, exactly. Hana like honey. Ooh. Sweet like honey. Shame on you. <laughs> um, so St. Thomas I'm not familiar with. What's something that St. Thomas is known for? St. Thomas is known for many years ago 
killing an elephant. <laughs> I, th I thought it was going to be dark when you paused. Jumbo the elephant. Jumbo the elephant was here. This was like a long time ago. I don't know. Wait, is Jumbo the elephant from Jumbo video fame? I don't know. It was like it was like from this traveling circus. And Jumbo the elephant came and then, I don't know, something happened. I think they accidentally murdered Jumbo. And now there's like this big statue of an elephant in the town of Jumbo. Oh, so, but, but the statue is not like a uh, tombstone. Jumbo is not buried beneath the statue. I don't think Jumbo is there, but there's this huge statue that's like, oh, like rest in peace. Um, rest in peace, Jum Jumbo. That's a bummer. Uh, have you been to the statue yet? I have been to the statue. Um, it's, I took a picture with it. <laughs> I was like, this is Jumbo. And a dark tourism um, there. <laughs> yeah. But um, other than that, it's it's just a small town. <laughs> well, listen, great. Um, if anyone from the St. Thomas Tourism Board is listening, you have, I would say, most of your copy written for at least this summer and mo probably next, too. Exactly. Home of... Jumbo Memorial. Oh, God. That's <laughs> depressing. I, of course, know, as I said a moment ago, know Jumbo through uh, Jumbo's chain of video stores, which I assume yes. Jumbo is involved with, which is famous for having free popcorn. That, you know... Did you ever go there? I had never been there. I was always a Rogers video kind of girl. Oh, a Rogers stan. There was a Rogers video near my parents' house, and I would go there, and they would have... Um, Pokemon cards in like the impulse aisle when you were like getting like your movie snacks they'd have oh, Pokemon yeah. cards and I'd like always want them and my parents never let me get them <sighs> so it's very devastating. Think what those Pokemon cards would be worth now. I know. I used to have a collection. And I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> my mom like donated it when I was in high school and I was like you what? <laughs> Those could be your millions. Think how I many know, elephant was... statues you could buy with that. Exactly. I could have bought a house. I could have bought a house with that collection. Well, maybe not. I didn't have the greatest cards. Well, I think this is a good segue. I mean, I know nothing about Pokemon cards, so I'm desperate for a segue out of this part of the conversation. And I found <laughs> it. I found it. So if we're talking about uh, things from our youth that we regret and that almost took us down with them, what better topic to discuss than queerness? Because, of course, Hannah, you and I know, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not our fault that we're queer. It's everyone else's fault. It's so it's many. It is everyone else's. Yes. And so that's what I want to do here. I mean, now, look, first of all, looking back through the magic of science, something I stopped after grade 10, so I only have a vague notion of. But we know now that anything can make you queer or, or almost anything. Like, f like, for example, you know that five second rule when you drop food? Yes. If you disobey, that rule is about being queer. If you eat food after five seconds, that makes you queer. Oh my God. Yeah, I always used to just eat it. I know. And here we are. Also, if for some inexplicable reason you haven't tried bubble tea yet, queer. You know, I never used to want bubble tea when I was in high school. Everyone would get it and I thought it was gross and then I had it later in my life and I was like, I can't believe I was missing out on, on this cool thing. Right? And I'm like, oh my gosh. It sounds like you're already coming in hot with a lot of wasted youth and yes. regret. <laughs> Anger, if you're listening to this and not watching this, Hannah is mad. Hannah started like tearing her hair out through rage. Yeah. I'm pounding my fists. I've slammed a few plates. Yes. I'm going berserk. 
all very great. Uh, it's a good sonic tableau for a podcast. So, mm-hmm. so basically what I'm going to do, I've created this platform so queer people like us can really, um, you know, speak to all of the collective world at once because everyone listens to podcasts now and set the record straight once and for all about what broke them. So Hana Shafi, Hana Lakhani, what made you queer? Um, I'm just gonna say, like, I really blame Bollywood. I I blame <laughs> Bollywood completely. For one, um, there was this one. Okay, there was this movie called Shakti, and there was a song in it called Ishkamina, and it's it's Shah Rukh Khan and Ashwarya Rai, and they're just like, they're like dirty. Like I don't get it. They're like in this dirty, decrepit, sandy area, and and there's. And there's fire, and there's people are sweating. I don't even know. And, and Wait, then, like dirty, like dusty? What kind of dirt are we talking? About? It was like dirty, like it was like dusty, but it was also like dirty, like Xtina, like it was oh, dirty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This was dirty. D and then three lowercase R's, dirty. Exactly. Yeah, and and yeah. Shah Rukh Khan, who's like this super uber famous Indian heartthrob, like you know he gets up and he's all like, oh, I'm so tired from being like dirty and then <laughs> and exhausting. then Ashwar- yeah it's like so exhausting and Ashwari Rai comes in and I was like oh my god she comes in and she's in this like she's wearing like Indian clothes but she's not wearing like the Indian clothes that I was allowed to wear when I was a kid because okay. this is a movie and she's like a bombshell so she's in like the super slutty outfit and she's you know she's in the black top and Ooh. black bottoms and her whole belly showing and she's got right. a little she's got a little tattoo little around her belly and like She's got like this wet, just like filthy hair, and she's all like, "Hey!" And she shows up, and I was like, "And I think that was the moment." Well, I just want to say, even through that v- description, the pitch of your voice dropped like a whole octave. Yeah, like that—that that was the moment. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like right. I'm queer, and uh, and and also like Shah Khan, like he's wearing mesh. Oh, enough said. <laughs> when you inc- when you include mesh in anything. Yeah. It automatically uh, becomes queer. Yes. Mesh is a queer fabric. We know that now. That's it. Like yeah. he, and so that he was wearing mesh and they were and they were dancing and it was nasty and it was beautiful. But I think just Bollywood as a whole. Yeah, I want I mean there's so much to unpack here. First of all, little Hana watching this, how old were you? Oh my god, when did this come out? I don't remember when it came out, but I know I must have watched it like I must have been maybe grade five or like middle school or like, like I was a kid. So this is approaching a bit of like a hormonal preteen phase anyway. Yes. I was like, okay. I was watching it and I was like, oh shit. Oh shit. I wasn't <laughs> Were you ready. already a big Bollywood fan or was this like the, the Bollywood movie that really got you? I, I watched Bollywood a lot as a kid because my parents would always make me watch it with them. And like before, like now Bollywood is in a lot of the like, any regular like movie theater has it but when Mm -hmm. i was a kid you had to go all the way so like my family's from mississauga and we had to go all the way to this movie theater that was like in scarborough or something oh my god that's across toronto yeah it took forever to get to and then on top of that indian movies are like a bajillion hours long (laughs) so by the time we would leave and get back home like in my child mind, like it was, it must, it was like four a.m. Like it was, yeah, crazy like it late. was like a day, like you went on a day trip. We really just spent the day <laughs> watching a movie, and so at the time, it's like I hated going because it would just take forever, and my parents would drag me with them because obviously I couldn't be left just like at home. Um, 
but then as I got older, I definitely got more into Bollywood because I was developing a greater appreciation of the aesthetic and all the hotties. I was like, okay, wow, like there's actually a lot of good stuff going on here. Yes, especially when you're comparing it to, like, for example, if I think of something similar that, like, North America was churning out at that time, maybe, like, Julia Stiles and Save the Last Dance. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Why like, why would you, you watch that? Exactly, because, like, you have this thing that's just filled with, like, vibrance and color, and the costumes were always really over the top. And even when they did... Bollywood's really funny because even when they did like Western costumes on the men, they were the gayest outfits imaginable. <laughs> I've seen some like what look like ABBA deep cuts on some of the men in those Bollywood films. Literally, and it's funny because it's it's not really it's not a very uh, LGBTQ inclusive film industry even now. And but the outfits on all the men, um, which I was actually speaking to another one of my friends who's also queer and South Asian and he's a drag queen and he's like, yeah, like how can you not turn out queer when you're and you're just watching all these people in mesh? Yeah. And like enormous dance numbers. Exactly. It's a queer fever dream. <laughs> queer. Yeah. Queer fever dreams going on the T-shirt. Also, I want to like to dial back to what you brought up. Mesh is a fabric. What's the, like, what was the original purpose? Is it sport fabric? I just feel like the original purpose was to be, no, I honestly think the original purpose was flamboyance. Yeah. What is the point of mesh? This is not a helpful fabric. It's purely for the look. No, it does not shield any elements out. It doesn't do anything. It's just to show you what I have that you can't touch. Somebody, one day there was like a fisherman back in the ye olde times. Yes. And he took his fish net and he draped it on himself and he was like, this is it. This is who I was meant to be. This is how I was meant to look. And it just took off from there. Yar. And that night when he went to uh, the big sailor's bar to order his his whiskey, all the other sailors were like, normally this is when I'd be going home to my wife and my eight kids, but I just kind of want to see what's up with Meshi over here. Why would I leave now? Because this, this <laughs> handsome stranger who's wearing one of his fishnets, so... <laughs> and when you say fishnets to all my my sirens start going off. Yeah, exactly. Woof. Okay, so let's take it back to this film. There's mesh. Are the, is there a specific number other than, like, the dirty with three lowercase r's in the alley? Are there some numbers in that movie, or is it a story element? Like, do you remember the story, too? No, it's that song. Okay. It's that one song. I admittedly could not even remember what the rest of the movie was about. (laughs) Don't care. Wasn't a very good movie. Bollywood's really interesting in that sometimes the worst movies are the ones with the best songs. And so this one had the best song. And and, and I think also there was like, so she was wearing black. She was wearing like a a black, I'm going to say crop top, but it's more like a bra. And, you know, her black skirt, which is, you know, super, super low cut. And I found that really intriguing, too, because black is not typically a color that Indian clothes tend to come in. Indian mm-hmm. clothes are very vibrant. They're, you know, reds and greens and oranges and yellows. And she's wearing black. And she's got, you know, black smudged around her eyes. And she's got her septum ring in. And she's got, like, a little, little like, like slutty tattoo around her belly button. It's like it's like a reverse tramp stamp. I, I don't even know what it's called. On the front. Do you know what the tattoo was? It was just like a like it was like a spiral or something. Oh. And I just remember thinking like she's nasty. Like 
like she's nasty she has no rules she's a nasty gal crazy she's the nastiest gal i've ever seen and i knew i had i had bonded with her in that moment i was like you're sexy and i love you and i want to be you and and something's happening with my hormones yeah because i was gonna say what were you cognizant in that first moment was it I want to be you or I want to be with you or both flavors? I think it was both. I think I was just so shocked. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, boom. And I I think also for me, like it encapsulated very much like, because again, like I think the time that I saw this was during ex-Tina phase. Yeah. For people not familiar or for people born after, I don't know what, 2003 or something. Yeah. Ex-Tina is what uh, secular people call Christina Aguilera. And she was a person who was famous. Uh, yes. I think that she was kind of like a Disney tot who came into her sort of sexual awakening through yes. this album called, well, the big single was called Dirty, which we've mentioned many times. And it was very scandalous at the time because she, I, I mean, at that time it was like pretty Puritan pop, like Britney Spears singing about like, I'm a 16 year old virgin sort of situation. So Exactly. She went out of her way to also show that she was leaving Disney. Mm-hmm. So when Dirty came out, I mean, it. she went out of her way to be like, uh, no, I'm not pure anymore. In that music video, she's, she's, she's wrestling in some kind of underground filthy wrestling pit. She's in, I don't know, an, an abandoned bathhouse, just, just rolling <laughs> around in that, in that tepid water. Like she's, she's doing all kinds of nasty stuff. There's people that are, they're gyrating you know you watch it now from like a pandemic standpoint and you're like oh my god this is this is really horrifying i was gonna say this is the stuff we fantasized about at the time and now we'll be afraid of for the rest of our life not unlike casino buffets it's exactly so this this was sort of around that time and so seeing that sort of aesthetic just a small part of that aesthetic present in this bollywood song I just thought it was the sexiest thing I had ever seen. And also, you know, especially because it was also South Asian. And for me, uh-huh. it's like, there's there's a difference. Like, y- you want something to affirm your queerness, but also, like, your queerness as a racialized person. And mm-hmm. you want to, like, feel, you want to feel that queerness present in your own culture, even if it's still considered uh, taboo in your own culture. So... Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was a it was a groundbreaking experience, and also Extina. So at this point, so she had solidified, I'm nasty. Don't mess with me. I'm nasty. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then the the uh, was it the VMAs? I think it was the VMAs. Yes, I know what you're gonna say. Yes, and Britney and Madonna kiss, but also Extina and Madonna kiss. Yeah, and they're all just kissing, and it's very gay, and it's and it's scandalous. And it was such a big deal for that time. But I think it shaped a lot of of young millennial queers like myself. It was a huge moment. Yeah, I think you're right because it's hard to imagine because it was not that long ago, but we had so little queer representation. And when we did have it, it was usually very performative, just like that kiss was very exactly, queer, baby, and performative. But we didn't care. We didn't care at the time. You know, I was a kid. Um, I had no idea that queer baiting was even a thing. So for me, it's just, oh my God, they're they're doing lesbianism on stage. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. 
um, it was it was such an intense thing. And I mean, it's like the, the closest thing that we had from that was like, we had that, which was like very raunchy. And then we had like Willow and Tara on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which was that kind of the more um, like romantic, lovey representation yes. of queerness. Which was, which was also a very standalone thing at the time, you know? A hundred percent. That's funny, because before we go to that, I was going to say a lot of your awakening sort of cues come from dirty things and things that were, like, very taboo. Very, like, sort yes. of, um, you know, breaking some kind of, like, uh, safe ideal. So whether it be physical, like, dirt on your body or, yeah. quote-unquote, slutty clothes, like the sailor mesh or, um, you know women kissing on TV, things that were shocking. Things were shocking because, you know, now I feel like with young people have like, they have like cartoons and like really awesome, like wholesome queer content. Yes. Um, But, you know, for my generation and generations previous, wholesome queer content wasn't really a thing. Queerness was considered this adult thing that was not for children, even though there are children who obviously identify as queer because it's, it's something that you're, you're, you're born as. Um, But, and so we associated it with being taboo, with being shocking, with, and, and I think also there was this element of like, it's, it's unclean and it's shameful. And so these taboo representations of queerness, um, it sort of was a way for us to reclaim that like, yes, I'm, I'm going to shock you and I'm going to (laughs) be super nasty, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point because I grew up in actually next door to you in Oakville, southern Ontario, okay. yeah. uh, as as a young boy in a very Catholic household. And so, yeah, queer anything was like, maybe you stay up and it's on showcase after 11 p.m. when you're like alone in the living room. And it's like mm-hmm. awful, very boring, uh, very not really representative of you. But because it's the only thing you're just like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like this is my. And, and especially too when you watch it as a kid, you know, or I don't know what you were told, but mm-hmm. I was certainly told if you go down that long and winding queer road it will lead you to hell. So already oh, yeah. I knew, oh yeah, already I knew my people were going to be the dirty folk. So breaking the taboos with queerness just felt normal, like they were interlaced. And we also, like, I think we, like, embrace that. We're like, okay, well, if this is something that you consider shocking and dirty, then I'm, then I'm going to go out of my way to show how shocking and dirty it can really get. That's right. You know, like, it, it, it was, it's, it's a form of protest. Also, just the late night showcase thing, Reminds me of when, what when I was watch? in okay, when I was in middle school, my friends and I had a sleepover, and we were channel surfing at night when we were not supposed to be, and we came on uh, TLN, okay, which was the uh, I think it stood for Tele Latina Net- Tele Latino Network. Oh yeah, they're all sluts. Everyone yeah. on that channel. Super slutty channel. Loved it. Well, it wasn't slutty in the morning. In the morning, it was just like uh, like South American cooking shows and like the George Lopez show. But at night, <laughs> at night, TLN used to play softcore porn. And my friends and I discovered this, and we must have been maybe 12, 13, and we were like, <laughs> and we were so we were titillated yeah we were just titillated we were like oh my god and like i gotta say in lighting not unlike your lighting right now (laughs) (laughs) yes like it was like this it it was mysterious and and we would watch it and we would like be giggling and then we'd also like 
throw in a few ewes, even though like I, I, I'm sure none of us were grossed out. I'm yeah. sure we were all excited. And the thing about softcore porn is like they don't show any uh, like penises, right? Uh-huh. Like they, it just the softcore just means that there's boobs. Is that I was gonna ask you? Also, I love that your voice went to like a stage whisper when you were like the thing about softcore porn. <laughs> Is there a, a parent or legal guardian yeah. in the room? Behind you? <laughs> okay, yes, go on. So they just show boobs. I, I, I don't want to have. I don't want to have. It's like there's boobs. And we were like, oh my god. So I think I think that's also to blame for my queerness. I what, I boobs? blame the softcore porn at night. Okay. The boobs. I blame boobs. I mean, sure. I blame we, boobs. I imagine boobs will come up, but the softcore porn. Yes, because there's something about that too. First of all, it was taboo in and of itself because of when it was shown because we had to like be alone in a space to watch it exactly and like certainly the way it was produced but also because it was so it wasn't overt even for the softcore porn it was just like you know like a, some side boob or whatever it's not it was i mean honestly i think hbo now was more graphic than no, what totally than than this softcore porn at night on the tln channel Um, but we were watching it and we were just so, and that's the thing too, like we had to watch it in private. We were scared that, you know, a parent was going to come down, it was going to catch us and everything about that, that, that taboo. Um, it's funny because like on one hand, I think made uh, a lot of us extremely repressed and have some major (laughs) mental health issues. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But on the more, on the more fun end, it was, um, it was adrenaline. It was exhilarating to be able to access something that we felt like we weren't actually supposed to be accessing or yes. feeling things that we were not supposed to be feeling. It was like, it felt like this act of rebellion that was very, very naughty, very saucy, you know? Mm-hmm. Hannah, imagine who we'd grow up to be, and this is not just queer people, if our entire sexual awakening was not paired with like, I shouldn't be doing this. I probably would have been a lot more normal and had a lot less issues. <laughs> a lot lower therapy bill for all of us. So many less issues. I know. Less visits to the doctor. North America's very sexually prudy in so many. I think people sometimes think it of, is. oh, you know, like the West, quote unquote, or North America. Mm-hmm. It's so liberal and everyone is free. But no, it is like pilgrim time. It's sometimes. really not. It's it's seriously such a sex negative environment. And even like my own culture, you know, I'm, I'm South Asian, Middle Eastern, and um, those cultures pre-colonialism were considered very sexually lewd and very mm-hmm. and promiscuous, and the Orient was this like tantalizing thing. And so when, when colonization happened, they brought over these very colonial Christian principles that, you know, nudity and sex were like these horrific sins and you really have to downplay them and so as a result the culture that i'm from has become so intensely socially conservative and so we look to the eastern world of like wow they're so backwards they're so repressed they're so socially conservative but we forget that a huge reason for that social conservatism is the colonization that was brought to those places and so i think when you know the things that we were feeling or watching that were taboo, I think in a lot of ways, like we were making our queer ancestors really proud. They were like, like, I'm sure I had an ancestor that was like, you, you watch TLN at night. Good for you. Yes, get it, You're girl. Get those great boobs. job. Get, look at the movies, you know? Um, That's a really good, <laughs> such a good point. 
I lived、um, in Tokyo for almost four years, and、mm-hmm. Japan too has a long history of you know gay is okay actually.、Mm-hmm. And then when the same thing when they were you know they weren't colonized maybe in quite the same way, but there was a lot of colonial influence. Yeah, definitely has become in some ways a very socially conservative society. Not、mm-hmm. body because I'll tell you that like. Nude hot spring is like alive and well,、mm-hmm. but as far as you know, queer、um, acceptance and things like that, queer rights are are pretty behind, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, Japan is such an interesting case because, on one hand, you have a lot of、uh, very sexual art coming out of Japan, and even the ancient Japanese art is very sexual in nature, much like ancient Indian art.、Mm. But again, there was that. Point where when Japan was transitioning out of feudalism into modern industrialism, when there was a heavy British influence, and that British influence was like, oh, actually, all of this is really, really wrong, and you should stop. And so、um, it's it's interesting how those things have have played out. Though when a friend of mine went to Japan, I asked him, I want you to get me the weirdest porn that you can find. There's、I some want weird really、ones. weird porn. I said I want something really weird. That's all I want as a souvenir. And he said okay. And he brought me back this really,、um, this really bizarre <laughs> like hentai comic. Is it tentacles? There were there were no tentacles, but it was so funny because there were there were dicks everywhere. Like there were dicks everywhere. But <laughs> they had this little like they had this little like sensor bar. Yeah. But like right, but like but like right on the tip, so you could still see basically everything. It was so funny, and honestly, it's one of my most prized possessions now because it's fantastic and strange, and it was picked out for me with love. He said he went into the、uh, quote-unquote women's section、oh. of the porn place just just to get, make sure that he was getting something for her, and、um, I just thought that it was just so funny. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> it's really interesting. I, I mean, we could talk about that more if you're listening.、Uh, you can Google about why there are these tiny little black bars are on things because it's a really interesting history, and other、mm-hmm. things are not covered up. But yeah, <laughs> well, good for you. That's a prized possession. Don't let anyone throw that out. Not like the Pokemon cards. No, I'm not letting anyone get their hands on that. It's so important. And I also love that idea. What you just said—that reclaiming or claiming for the first time your queerness—is kind of an act of reclaiming your culture, which is so rad. Yeah, it is. I think we forget that like queerness、uh, or sexual fluidity, gender fluidity has. Always existed, and we just had、uh, the chance that we were born in a time where it was considered really taboo. But when we look at like ancient literature and art, they were real nasty back in the <laughs> old days. Please, Christina Aguilera, eat your heart out, girl. I I call anything in the past the ye old times. Old with an O L D E. With the O L D E, and、yeah. so around the time that 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 brave. Queer fisherman first donned a piece of his fishnet. There was just a time when when queerness was not so taboo. But for those of us who were born in this time, we have to rely on on Bollywood and on Christina Aguilera to really help us figure things out. Woof! A part of our heritage.、Mm-hmm. That's right. And then podcasts were invented, <laughs> and you and I were able to、uh, funnel this anger towards something. So was it?、Mm-hmm. So were those kind of the two primary things you're saying? 
that specific song from that Bollywood film, which everyone needs to go watch after they listen or watch yes. this, and uh, Extina in the Dirty video. I think those were the two fundamental things. I mean, I'm sure if I thought long and hard, I I mean, okay, like Buffy was a big, Buffy was big. Buffy comes up a lot on the show. It wasn't just that Willow and Tara were together, because obviously that's that's the big one is like, you know, Willow is is clearly queer though obviously it bothers it bothers me that there's a lot of bisexual erasure on that show mm-hmm. but i think like buffy as a whole was just just gay like just, you know there was witchcraft there was hot people yeah hot girls hot guys there were people it with secrets just... discovering powers sort of yeah blossoming exactly there was a lot of blossoming you're right <laughs> a lot of blossoming that's the coded word for it Exactly. Buffy as a whole is gay. The other big one is the movie The Mummy with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Oh, that was like before they were famous. Certainly for Rachel Weisz before she was famous. Yes, and I think that that movie was truly bisexual in every way because it was just filled with so many attractive people. I could hardly contain myself watching that movie. Okay, so are you, like, what's your jam? Are you a Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss kind of gal? Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss. They did have the same haircut for a while. Yes, you have you have Odin Ferris, Ardeth Bay. You have, um, gosh, I forget her name, but Anaxuna Moon, and she's wearing this, like, yes. I don't know, it's like, it's, it's like painted on. She's got, like, gold paint on her, and she's, basically naked oh my god rebecca romaine is mystique oh, oh my god rebecca oh, I see. Okay. romaine is mystique like okay I, how can we're, I forget the, about we're her? done from the mummy okay so let's let's quickly hit this because oh. i was also going to ask do you have like a bandage fetish but that'll be on the next episode <laughs> okay let's go to rebecca <laughs> romaine like, in body pain i feel like that had to have been why so many people are queer yeah i mean i i i've definitely come out pretty queer and even when i think about rebecca romaine i kind of have to put my glass of water down and just be yeah, like, like wait a minute rebecca romaine and body and i because i i watched x-men when i was a kid i loved the cartoon yes loved it to pieces and then um that those movies came out and like my parents let me watch them it was x-men and they were like oh watch your comic book movies and i'm like okay and i'm watching it and rebecca romaine she's flipping around her titties are blue <laughs> and that's really what it's all about she had blue titties yeah <laughs> blue tats that's about as gay as it gets you're not wrong also that movie just like buffy has this sort of um this big uh what's the word what's the the grade nine english word i'm looking for it has themes of sort of you know discovering your true identity exactly and how that is an asset instead of something to be feared well it's interesting because it's like in in x-men your mutant powers come about when you hit puberty Oh. It, so it specifically comes about when you have all these like teenage hormones and so there are no ex exactly there's no like okay. ex-babies right which obviously <laughs> like they're like little children are, are obviously you're queer your whole life you just yeah. don't necessarily come into realization of you're not children. shooting lasers out of your eyes while you're like three to exactly. five exactly okay but basically in the beginning of of the first x-men movie in the early 2000s rogue is like kissing a guy in her bedroom and then she accidentally like sucks the life out of him because that's her mutant power and so literally like she is experiencing an awakening during an early sexual experience right like is that not a queer metaphor and then you pair that with blue titties (laughs) 
So I mean, it's gay. Listen, what do I, <laughs> it's there? I mean, please look at the the chalkboard behind me. If you look at this equation, mm-hmm. early sexual experience, accidentally killing the person, plus blue titties equals gay. Any questions? Equals gay. Okay. And I mean, I know Magneto's not gay, but we have Surian McCallan playing Magneto. Please. Surian McCallan is an awesome queer icon. He's freaking Gandalf. Like yeah. this movie is just telling you. If you're queer, you can be anything you want to be. You can move magnets and you can paint your boobs blue. You can do that. You can't. And I'm not going to ask you if you ever did that and tried it, but I am going to give you uh, about 10 seconds of silence after I finish this sentence to talk about it if you did. (laughs) No, but I wish I had. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. I wish you, I wish I had. I have a friend who did uh, put blue body paint all over himself for a drag thing, but I don't know how low he went. I'll have to ask him. Well, that's, I don't yeah. know if his titties were blue. I'll have to ask him. Let, let us know. Email the pod at youbamedequeer@gmail.com, and we will share that update with our listeners. Yes. Now, Hana with a soft A, soft like honey, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to say goodbye to you soon, and I don't want to. But before I do, do you want to play a game? Yes. Oh, thank God. I hope no one ever says no, because that I, I have nothing prepared for that. So this game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Okay. And I called it that because it explains the game, and it's also very difficult to say, and I like a challenge. So in this game, I'm going to give you three things. You are going to put them in order from least queer to most queer, and tell me why. Okay. Any questions? No, I got this. Okay, here you go. Thing number one, holiday wrapping paper. This can be any holiday. It's not holiday specific, but holiday wrapping paper. Okay. Thing number two, the song Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses. Okay. Do you know the song? Yes. Great. Perfect. So the song Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses. Thing number three, the Spice Girls cover of the song Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses. Oh my goodness. Have you heard this? Yes. They changed the lyrics to be about the Spice Girls. I, I went to the Spice Girls reunion concert. It was <gasps> one of the best days of my life. I cannot uh, believe you saved that for the last 10 minutes, Hana. I know, it was, oh my God. God damn it. I'm gonna recap and, and buy you time. Okay. The three things, holiday wrapping paper, Waitresses song, Christmas wrapping. Number three, Spice Girls cover of the Waitresses song, Christmas wrapping, least queer to most queer. Why? Go. Okay, so the most queer has to be the Spice Girls cover of the song Christmas Wrapping <gasps> by the Waitresses. It's Spice Girls. And I think if there's one thing that unites all people, all queers, it's the Spice Girls. You know what? I can't argue with you. If you don't like the Spice Girls, just, if you don't like the Spice Girls, just get the hell out of here. If you're listening to this and you don't like the Spice Girls, turn this podcast off, throw your phone in a toilet. Just get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, And then the second has to be Christmas wrapping by the waitresses because, I mean, they gave it the, you know, the Spice Girls wouldn't have been able to cover it if they hadn't done it. Talk about a gift. And I feel sad to say this. Like, it actually hurts me, but I have to say that holiday wrapping paper is the least queer, even though holiday wrapping paper to me is very gay. Like, I love holiday wrapping paper. Are you thinking of a specific holiday when you picture this? Yes, it's Halloween. <laughs> Do you get Halloween-wrapped gifts at Halloween? I get I get spooky-themed wrapping paper, and I wrap gifts all year round with it. Oh, you crafty little witch. Yes. 
I have pumpkin stickers that I put on everything. So cute. It's very important to me. Okay, so I have to, so this is all good, and I'm going to tabulate your results in just a second. But first, Spice Girls, do you have a favorite? Do I have a favorite of the Spice Girls? Yeah. Um, if you had to choose one. It was always scary for me when I was a kid because I had big curly hair. Mm-hmm. They would always tell me that I was scary Spice, and I was mad as a kid because I wanted to be baby. I wanted to have the lollipop and the pigtails. And as I got older, I realized, oh, my God, no. Why was I ever down, like, on being Scary Spice? And listen, no shade to Emma Bunton, who I assume is listening and watching this on Glad Day TV. She's definitely listening. You do great work. But Mel B for a while, Mel G, and then again, Mel B, Scary Spice, icon in those, like... Mel B is a queen, and... Those all of those cheetah print patterned outfits she wore, she just really is an icon in every possible way. I mean, you talk about fisherman mesh. Yeah, I mean, she's carrying on the legacy of queer fabric, <laughs> which cheetah print is one of them. That's true. That's another one of the queer fabrics. It's another queer fabric, yes. What about mesh cheetah print? Could you even imagine what that would let loose? Oh, I gotta get that outfit. Woof. I've got some work to do. That's right. You've got some work to do. Some homework after this when you go visit the uh, the tomb of the forgotten elephant. Yes. So I'm just going to tabulate your results here. I'm just doing some quick math. No big deal. I'm just good at math. Mm-hmm. Just long form. Uh, this year. Okay. So it looks like, congratulations, you win. You are, in fact, a queer person. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yes. Your prize is, um, I'm going to steal this copy of your book from Glad Day and send it to you. Yay. Sounds good. (laughs) They've just locked the doors. Um, They're going to charge me for it. (laughs) That's great. So, Hana, thank you so much. And because this is a special episode, you also get to help me pick the winner's of my Henderson Brewing Co. contest. Yay! Yay! So just a reminder, we love Henderson Brewing Co. Uh, We have two prize packs that we are giving away. One is with the special Henderson Brewing Co. custom Glad Day beer. No big deal. It is a Belgian blonde. I almost said not unlike myself. I'm not Belgian or blonde. The flavors (laughs) are inspired by the pride flag. So there are all sorts of delicious, colorful, diverse ingredients inside. And when you buy this beer, which you can do at Glad Day on their patio or elsewhere, a portion of the profits go to the HIV and AIDS Legal Clinic of Ontario, which is so great. Oh, look. It's beautiful. Look at all these fun folks from our queer community on the can. Oh, I love it. There's a QR code. I mean, there's like activities built in. This is, a, this is a day. Take a day off work and get a can of this. Thank you. And, of course, because we don't need alcohol to party, Henderson is also giving away a pack of Dream Soda. Not unlike, but not exactly, Cream Soda, an alcoholic-free party for your mouth. Yes, I love that. Great. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. So, Hannah, what you're going to do, these rules are even simpler than Queer, Queer, Queerist. Okay. I'm going to ask you to pick a number between 1 and 100. Okay. 69. <laughs> you dirty fisherman <laughs> witch. So, according to that number, the winner of our first pack, the Glad Day Beer, is... Drum roll, please. 
Sarah Kamen. Congratulations to you if your name is Sarah Kamen and that matches what is on a government issued piece of identification. You have just won an eight pack of Henderson Brewing Co.'s Glad Day beer. What up? We're Whoa, dancing for yay. you. Number 69. Number 69. <laughs> and for uh, the second prize pack for the Dream Soda. Oh, that sounded like a drum roll, but it was a martini shaker. Hannah, could you pick a letter between <laughs> A and Z? Z for our American listeners. Oh, I'm going to pick B for blue boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Double B for those blue cats, yeah. which means the winner of our dream soda is drum roll on my big shiny head, Luke Opdahl. If your name is Luke Opdahl and that is you and you respond to that name, congratulations. You've just won an eight pack of Henderson Brewing Co's dream soda. And Hana, will come to your house and paint your boobs blue. Yes, I will do that. <laughs> it's just part of the offer. Confirmed. Amazing. Well, Hana, we've gotten through all of our festivities. So before I say goodbye, and again, I really don't want to, because this is our first time talking. <laughs> I know, and it's been so great. It's been so great. And you were big up to me uh, before this call. A lot of people spoke very highly of you. And you've oh, outdone so your fun. street cred. Oh, that's great to hear. I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. So again, also, maybe Hana's about to plug this. Books are plenty. Hannah's got a website. So over to you, Hannah. What you want to plug? Okay, I have a website. It's called frizzkidart.com. Frizz like frizzy hair. And I've got books and t-shirts and amazing prints. And actually, one of the t-shirts that I'm selling right now is the is part of the official Pride TO merch. And 15% of each shirt goes to Breakaway Community Services, which is harm reduction um, and counseling in Parkdale, which is lovely. So head over to frizzkidart.com. Great. Do it. I'm sure you can get those ordered, so it doesn't matter where you are. Just figure it out. Uh, It's supporting a good cause, and it's supporting a great artist. Hana Shafi. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you. So, Hana, I also want to thank you because, listen, I was really queer before this conversation started. And as a direct result of everything you have poured into my ears, I'm coming out the other end queerer than ever. That was my goal. So, (laughs) mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Thank you, everyone. So, that is our show. As always, you can mail us if you have any questions about my episode with Hana or anything in the You Made Me Queer sphere. You can do that at youmademequeer at gmail.com. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast because you are watching this. You are seeing Hana. Hana has also signed away her rights to become episode 19 of this podcast, which is coming out Thursday. She's shaking her head like, what? <laughs> uh, Thursday, June 17th. This will, of course, be in podcast form available anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can catch almost the end of our first season. And when you write, review, and subscribe to the podcast, uh, a little chip in my brain gives me a pulse of um, endorphins and serotonin in my body. So just do it. And so now we are going to cue the credits. Normally what I do is have the theme song play underneath, but I can't do that. So Hannah, I was wondering if you have any sort of like mouth trumpet you do or if you have a kazoo handy. I don't have a kazoo handy. Or if you want to do like some sort of rhythm on your shoulder. I, I can do Great. slap my thighs. Oh, great. So Hannah's going to play us out on those those thighs uh, whenever you're ready. Jolene, 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 Jolene. You made the queer screen <laughs> produced and edited by me. Don't you dare stop, Hannah.
by me, Trevor Campbell. Our theme song is by Critty. Keep playing those thighs, girl. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, for more of Critty's music, check out lavenderbrewsters.bandcamp.com. Remember, Critty played the theme at the beginning. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday for the rest of the first season, which ends next week with our big finale, so keep listening. And from the bottom of my and Hannah's big bent hearts, thank you so much for watching and listening. And until next time, remember, we're here... We're queer. And it's your fault. Yes. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.